you'll know because it is episode 196 six of Big Trouble Little Podcast. I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. <laughs> I'm Chaz. I'm Zach. <laughs> I knew it. I had I had full plans of doing that last week, thinking, oh, okay, well, this time I'll throw a paper when he throws scissors, or, you know, whatever. I fucked that up. That's, that's a loss anyway. Nope, we both did the same thing, so we'll keep the guy going. <laughs> awesome. But anyway, we're at a new month of movies or a new round of movies because usually we're like either in the middle of the month or the beginning of the month or the end of the month. But anyway, we're doing Star Trek, the next generation movies, and we're doing Star Trek Generations. But before we get into that, guys, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? I'm going to hand it off to Zach. You're first. Um, I have been, I, I watched, uh, I watched the second Venom movie, Let There Be Carnage, recently. Oh, how was it? Um, okay. Was, was there Carnage? A, yeah, he was there. <laughs> um, it was okay. Uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was as good as the first one they did, uh, that I can remember. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but both of them are more like, in my opinion, they're just kind of like a goofy, eh, check this flick out, it's Venom, he's kind of goofy in this, and it's over. <laughs> mostly mostly inoffensive. Uh, I don't like uh, some of the ch- decisions they made uh, with uh, certain characters, like, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, uh, and I'm not the only one that thought this when I was watching this movie, but it feels like every time they have to put a bad guy in some of these movies and they always, they're not, they're not like a multi-dimensional bad guy. You know, sometimes somebody's just fucking insane and wants to like murder people. Right. That's Carnage's whole thing. Uh, it's like they wanted to make him sympathetic or something a little bit. I'm like, you don't have to do that with every villain and now not every villain's sympathetic. I don't know. <laughs> You know what it kind of reminds me of, uh, and me and Andy will only know this because of the the newer Planet of the Apes movie, the one with Woody Harrelson was like one of the head human people and shit. Mm-hmm. Like they they put some compassion in his character, but he was a villain. Uh, and I feel like maybe that's what they did with Carnage. Maybe they were just like, it's Woody Harrelson. We need to make him. Speaking, speaking, yeah, speaking of, it was Woody Harrelson again, but like. No, they've done that with a couple of other characters, too. Like, uh, I don't know. You could make the argument they did it to Thanos, but it was actually, they they executed it a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) Because before, his motivation was pretty much just like, I want to fuck death. And that's like, (laughs) that's ridiculous. Like, how could you even, like, how could you present that in, like, a film? I don't know. Um, Yeah. But Carnage is like, I don't know, why would you even play with that? This whole thing is he's just a serial... Imagine if Serial Killer got a Venom thing on him. That's That's scary. I mean, he, he's just like a bloodthirsty monster. That was the whole point, I thought. Yeah, it was yeah. scary. You couldn't deal with him. That's part of the story in Spider-Man. He's like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Like, at one point, he just freaks out because he just doesn't know how to deal with him. Yeah, like, Carnage was never, like, trying to steal jewels from the museum or anything. He was just... He- yeah. yeah, there was no revenge. He he didn't have like you know some bone to pick with somebody or somebody didn't fuck him over. He's just crazy. He threw his grandma down a flight of stairs and murdered her when <laughs> she was like 
11, you know, this is what he wanted to do. Yeah, there, there's like some, I can't remember what it is. There, there's one like origin story that was like retcon later related to Carnage, how they tried to make some sympathy. I think it was more just like the detail what made him crazy. And maybe they tried to like use some of that, but then like they're using it in the spin of like, oh, well, that's kind of sad. And then he's like, well, no, you just made him into an edgy jewel grabbing bitch. Like I, I, I've I kept my tongue held. I fucking hated this movie. It is one of my least favorite Marvel movies. Period. I would rather watch the one of the Fantastic Four movies than watch that movie again. That's how frustrated I was with some of the choices they made. But I think it's because they really went in the wrong direction. I don't know. Maybe it was a bad taste in my mouth because I expected more. But yes, yeah, so you yeah. expected too much for what that first movie was. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think it's exactly what happened. Because like I, I remember. Huh? You like Fantastic Four more than Venom? Venom uh, not the first Venom. Venom two. Ven- the, oh, okay. the second Venom. <laughs> oh no, Venom. The first Venom movie was actually like decent. pretty decent. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed it, especially because I felt like it redeemed that character in cinema compared to Spider Man three. Um, I think Tom Hardy's New York accent is funny. Just want to put that there out there. It's like I'm not even like yeah I, even I can tell it's kind of like a little suspect mm-hmm. at times but um yeah like my expectations were lower and then like I came out of it and I was like eh it was okay yeah <laughs> well the whole thing too is like they they try to build this whole thing with like they try to build some type of the, of element out of the, uh Carnage wanted to create a family because there there is like some backstory that ties in uh there like he's he is absolutely crazy and that's the whole premise but he wants to create a family but that's he does that out of like basically uh goading shriek and and grooming her and then he has the doppelganger which is that nonsensical forearm spider-man clone uh that's all crazy and yeah. like none of that shit's in the movie so if you're not gonna no. have all of it to go with don't don't just try to like take pieces and put it together and then just add edgy shit to it. Like it just, yeah, I wasn't a fan. I mean, there were parts of the movie that were fine. Like I honestly, I, the best thing I enjoyed of the whole movie was the very end credit thing. Cause they, they, they had the whole spoiler at the end with uh, the potential for him to be pulled into the, the uh, Spider-Man universe. And then I appreciated it even more that uh, spoilers as everyone watched uh, Spider-Man no way home. No, but I don't no. care. Yeah, it's oh, fine. You can spoil it. So he's so the, he's he's at the end, right? He's like hanging out, eating a sandwich or some shit. Yeah. So the the end credits, the end credits of the Venom, to, uh, Let There Be Carnage film has him hanging out in Mexico. He's like run away. He's like taking a vacation or whatever, and it's like a something weird happens while he's laying in bed, and then the TV flips on and he sees, uh, Tom Holland Spider Man, and it's like the at the same time as when Spider Man is announced to the world at the end of the second. Uh, um spider-man film what's uh what's that one called far from Uh, home far from home thank you so again he it looks like he's been pulled into that universe but there's no explanation of what's happening so you know the whole there's this weird multiverse thing that happens in no way home and the plot that's there venom doesn't show up through the entire movie and at the end of the movie he's at this bar and Tom Hardy's like talking to himself and he's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but we need to go find this Peter Parker guy in New York. Oh yeah. And he's like drinking and acting stupid. And then another blip happens and he ends up back in his universe. And it's like, he wasted all that time getting drunk, trying to figure out what his plan was to get there. And he just never actually met Peter Parker. 
it's kind of fucking hilarious. It just stupid, but it was pretty great. Well, he left. He also left behind a piece of the symbiote too. Oh, oh, yeah, that is true. Clever. Yeah, that that was yeah, a little piece of the symbiote was left at the bar. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's actually kind of important. But just like the whole <laughs> thing of like teasing, like that Tom Hardy was gonna be there and it got people hyped, and then he didn't. I thought it was kind of funny. And yeah, yeah. The, they also did the whole uh, weird like one shot villain thing, which I I think that trope gets played way too much. Where you don't have to just build a villain, especially if it's one as iconic as like Carnage or or Thanos or or whatever else, and and like just kill them instantly in the same film that they're in. Yeah, very unceremoniously. Pretty yeah, much very, everything that had to do with Carnage or, or Shriek, I was just like, yeah, I don't really like this. Woody Harrelson was a great casting choice, but they wasted him. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's his fault. I think he worked with what he had, but yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I agree, and that kind of ruined the film. Like, Venom's parts actually made the film, like, still bearable. Yeah. I loved when he came out, when he went to the LGBTQ plus rave and he came out. That was fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are great! We, we are here! here. <laughs> we will no longer stand in a closet! And they're like, yeah, but they don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> That, that was pretty funny. Uh, like maybe, maybe maybe the film was better than the Fantastic Four movie. It's definitely Fan Four. Okay. That movie, yeah. Oh boy, that's a bold statement. That's why I was like, wait a second, Fantastic uh, Four. I was being dramatic. I was, I was being dramatic. Which, by the He's way, is pretty bad though. Before before <laughs> we move on, the Fantastic Four, the the recent one, I believe had a good storyline, but they fucking edited the shit out of that movie. Like, it actually had a good plot, like, halfway through, and then it just went into crazy town. So, anyway, Zach, anything else? Um, no, uh, I'm getting ready to get back into a little bit of white PC gaming. Uh, my weekend got ruined again. <laughs> I, made, I made no progress again <laughs> for evil. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Andy, what about you? What the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? Uh, a lot of the same stuff. Still watching Full Man Alchemist Brotherhood. I think it's six episodes from the end. All the important shit's happening in it, so I'll, maybe I'll wrap that up finally. Uh, still playing Final Fantasy Nine. I, I don't know. I'm running around doing something for one of the main bad guys, so maybe that's close to the end, too. I don't know. Still reading Berserk. Nowhere near the end of that. Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports came out. And I bought it, and it's fun. I played it by myself, and I remember thinking, like, yeah, this is pretty fun. This is a pretty fun game. And then a friend came over, and we played it together, and it was great. So, I mean, it, you probably could have assumed that without being told. But surprise, a Nintendo sports game is more fun with friends. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I played it with him, and I played it with my girlfriend. And both times it was just hilariously fun. The game's, game's great. Um, while I play... Uh, Final Fantasy, I've been watching a whole bunch of, uh, I mean, this isn't a show or a movie or anything, but I've watched like six hours of just uh, Tim Rogers playing other video games because <laughs> he's he cataloged all, he's capturing footage for the next uh, action button review and he's playing nothing but Japanese exclusive PlayStation 1 games. So I just like put that on while I'm playing Final Fantasy and it's just been really interesting and I, I thought I knew like a lot of obscure games. I always kind of considered myself to have an above average knowledge of Japanese only releases, but I've known like three out of 15 or something. Like I've learned a lot about a bunch of weird Japanese games I've never heard of. So that's, that's been pretty novel. I also played uh, 
I also played besides Final Fantasy IX, some other old games. I was screwing around on my Polymega. I mostly played Fatal Fury Two and uh, a bunch of Air Combat, the original Ace Combat. I uh, I thought like, oh, I'm gonna go back to this game. It's gonna suck now because you know I have like the newest one that I can play with VR and all the, you know the fancy HD graphics. No, it's still fun. The game's still great. <laughs> it's fun in like kind of an arcadey way, obviously. And also today, I watched a bunch of random episodes of Deep Space Nine. I wanted to watch Next Generation, but it's not available anywhere anymore. It's only on Paramount Plus, and I'm not getting that. There's other means, but I won't say them out loud in the in the podcast world, just in case. I mean, I know I can like pirate it, or I can Google one, two, three movies, or whatever. But I, it's one, two, I'm, three I'm, movies, too much ads. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't fucking. It's too much effort. I just put. I just went to Netflix, typed in Star Trek, and it was like, "Hey, Deep Space Nine is still over here." So I watched a bunch of. Rain. I watched the episode. Uh, I don't know if anyone's watched that show besides Dubs, but I watched the episode where they accidentally go back in time to the episode of the original series with the Tribbles in it. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever made. I fucking love that episode. It's hilarious. My my favorite uh, Deep Space Nine episode is. There, I forgot what enemies on this planet, but like Cisco's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna nuke it," and he sends like he sends like three torpedoes on the planet to kill these people, and I'm like, "Whoa, this captain kills people." He's not so progressive in Starfleet, I guess. Yeah, DS9's like fucking hardcore sometimes. There's like war crimes and torture, and everyone's like scarred, and it's it's pretty straight. And Worf's on there, so I, I like that Worf is on Deep Space. And then sometimes there's Tribbles. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes they play baseball. <laughs> that's, that's Star Trek. <laughs> and there was actually some good political uh, conversations in some of these episodes in Deep Space Nine. Sure. Uh, so... It, yeah, there's a there's a whole episode of DS9 that's about unions and unionizing. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I recommend Deep Space Nine to people, but watch. It, it's kind of hard to like tell people where to start because each yeah. each season ha is on its own. But you need to know the lore of, you know, Kirk, Picard, and all that stuff, and Janeway, because they kind of mix in together. And Q is in, I believe, three of the shows. I believe. I don't remember. I've al I've always told everyone the same thing. Uh, you can watch the original series if you want, but don't bother. Watch the original movies and then watch the next generation, but not the next generation movies. That's <laughs> what I, I always tell people. Start there. If you like what you saw, keep going. Then what are we doing? Well, I'm torturing all of you by making you watch the next generation how do, movies. How <laughs> you me to Star Trek? Then you make me watch these movies. <laughs> don't watch the original movies. I'm telling you. Just. Do that in your free time. They're great. Well, except for um, what's the one where they go find God? Four. What's the name of that one? Undiscovered Country. No, Undiscovered Country Six. It's great. It's the it's second. The one one. Is that the one where they have to like hijack whales? And shit? Final Frontier. No, your Voyage Home is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, Final, Final Frontier. It sucks. The rest of them are all great though. Yeah. Even the first one. People, the first one's so boring. Fuck you. It's good. And you heard me right. <laughs> Kirk fucking steals whales and shit. That's a thing. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, um, Star Trek Three: The Voyage Home. Yeah. Anyway, any other things you want to bring up? Nah, it's pretty much it. A lot of the same stuff, and then 
you know, Nintendo Switch Sports is a good one. And it, like, I, it, like I was telling you guys, it's like a mid-level budget title. It's only 50 bucks. So, I mean, if you ever play games with friends, it's a must-buy, I think. But yeah, Speaking of games there. with friends, you also played Mario Kart with us. So. Oh, yeah, I played Mario Kart. I figured we'd discuss that together maybe. But, yeah, we played Mario Kart, and it was a good old time. Right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Chaz, what about you? What the hell you been watching, playing, or doing? So, um, finished <laughs> up uh, uh, Dragon Ball Super again for, like, the third time. I've been, listening, like, watching a lot of these, like, random shows that like that are passively playing as I'm, uh, like, messing with uh, my cards or if I'm doing whatever else, playing on the Switch. Uh, and did that uh and then i actually just started watching futurama again because like that's never a bad idea just like just going through just letting it play but uh i hadn't watched an episode of futurama in, in a handful of years but that's always good um i blame the star trek stuff because i feel like there are a ton of star trek references that are brought up throughout futurama so it just reminded me of that but anyway um that I did play and beat Final Fantasy VIII, but there's I would put an asterisk beside of it. I definitely just turned all the the cheaty cheats on and just basically sped through it for sake of getting the plot and being able to say, well, I beat it. And I got to actually see what the story and how it played out, and I'm glad I at least did that because that was the the biggest thing that was a hang up. I felt like the I didn't really want to play through. Uh, the game but it was one of those things where i wanted to at least be able to acknowledge that i i had finished the game and i'd seen the the plot and just didn't like take the opinions of others like oh it's great or oh it's really bad and uh, it gets weird so I, and it was better than i thought it would be i feel like i can at least appreciate and agree with others who value it as one of the underrated uh games in the series um and it gets a lot of crap when it shouldn't um still not my my top three but but glad I finished it. Um, I uh, played and, and did a, a funny uh, Dark Souls run, um, but I won't get into details with that, but uh, did that in my spare time when I was still quarantining, so I didn't pass on the whatever boogie bug I had that's causing me to, to poop out of every hole in my body. Um, and then, let's see. Glad you know this. Yeah, everywhere, every, every hole. There are new holes, and I pooped out of those two. It was bad. <laughs> Damn, that was a fun time. But uh, I oh uh, so for Magic the Gathering, uh, their newest set released, and it's this uh, realm called New Capenna, and it's basically they're trying to do like a ripoff of like mafia. It's like an entire civilization based on like these. Uh, different families that are running things and you're basically either a citizen which means you're not involved in like organized crime or you're part of one of like the mob based things and like they're not holding back from trying to make like, very obvious references to things like they literally made a card named sleeping with the fishes and like they it's just kind of funny but um i got some of the cards there and updated my my commander decks uh so is pretty excited a, about that is that a mafia deck sleeping with the fishes they it is, yeah, well, yeah. So my legendary, so like my commander for the deck now is it's named Rocco. Uh, the family is the Cabaretti family. It's <laughs> Rocco Cabaretti Caterer. It's a combo based deck, but I just think it's funny because I needed something anyway, and it actually fit into one of my infinite decks. So Rocco is now like it's his family Italian restaurant. I had the deck that was named after like the Olive Garden 
endless soup salad and breadsticks <laughs> it kind of fits the theme i thought it was kind of funny but uh but yeah no it's uh, uh cards are pretty neat um let's see uh i think that's about it uh oh i didn't mention this in the last episode i meant to bring it up i finally watched the first sonic i hadn't watched it i was in preparation of getting to watch sonic 2 when it eventually comes out but i finally watched the first sonic and man that was a treat yeah that was a lot of fun yeah it's pretty fun fun old time sonic yeah no sonic is the best video game movie i think in my opinion. It's the highest grossing now. Well, Sonic 2 is. I mean, yeah, Sonic 2 is, which is like, yeah, it deserves it. Yeah, mm. of course it is, yeah. Yeah, no, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. I got to enjoy like goofy Jim Carrey. Not not weird, edgy Jim Carrey, but just like... Not Man in the Moon Jim Carrey. Role. <laughs> yeah. Not the number 23 Jim Carrey. <laughs> Let's not go there. Oh, man. That's, a, that's, that's, that's time I'll never get back. I tell you what, things you do, things you do when you're a teenager and you, your hormones are, are driving you crazy, and you want to like do anything and everything you can to to maybe like get the second base with a girl. Oh man, that that that'll never, I'll never ever ever watch that movie again. But we'll, I won't go there. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I I enjoyed Jim Carrey being uh, goofy in, in, as Doctor Robotnik. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I'm excited to watch number two now when I have a chance. I uh, still haven't watched the Batman. Uh, I feel like at this point my wife's just punishing me because she's all mean. But she needs to watch uh, it. Tell, tell her Dub yeah. said best movie ever, hands down. That'll mean a lot to her, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean at this point I think I'm just gonna watch it without her. And when she's like all mad about it, I'm like, well, listen, you had a chance. Like, it's gonna be hard with me, my schedule to to sit down and watch that movie in one sitting anyway. I'm gonna to have to probably break it up into two parts. So just watch it in two consecutive parts where she isn't with me anyway. So I mean, I think you could do that because it it feels like two parts of a movie. Uh, which I won't go into detail, but you'll know you'll know when you watch it because mm-hmm. Batman's all emo in this one. Parents died. Mm-hmm. But he's cool. Oh, I'm, uh, oh no, I'm all about edgy Batman. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's fine. He can be as edgy as he wants. Yeah, but other than that, anything else? Um, no, I think that's it. All right, I'll quickly go. Um, so this is more of a pickup. I'm like into buying books now. <laughs> I'm like buying box set shit. Uh, and this is kind of going to be a foreshadowing of what June is going to be be about, but. Fellowship nice. and I got all the all the books. I got the Two Towers, Return of the King, and The Hobbit. And uh I bought that, so I can't wait to actually read it again. I didn't watch I didn't read The Hobbit yet, so that's one book. Like you've never read it before? I or... never read it before. Oh wow. Yeah. That that's one of my favorite books, period, ever. Wait, hold on. So you've watched you've watched the films, but you've never read the book. Oh, no, I, I didn't watch the films either. Okay, okay. Then please make sure to read the book before you watch the films. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, because you'll be very confused. I think I think if anything, you'll be very. And that's like a, a very cliched thing to say about. Oh, the books were better than the movie. It's not really about that. Like the books were so starkly different than the movie because they just added stuff because we need to make money and mil- milk this and make whatever. And there are things that don't even remotely exist within the universe that Tolkien created that they just made up in that movie. So it like the series to make sure to read the Hobbit. Like, yeah, they host the content up, but the worst thing, the most egregious part of it for me is the tone 
because the hobbit is like a real fun adventure it's about oh. someone who's really comfortable getting out in the world and like discovering everything you know adventure and and, and camaraderie mm-hmm. and stuff like that and the other lord of the ring movie or the the lord of the ring books are all great but they're very different they're about like you know battle and armies and history and stuff like that but the hobbit is the one that's just like a fun little story i don't know the hobbit's the best one i still think and everyone fights me on that but i think the hobbit's the best one yeah not, yeah, I don't not, know not as far as the movies go though the movies it's the opposite i mean yeah i would i would say that i i would i don't know if i would say that the hobbit's a better book but I, I definitely have more nostalgia for reading that book as a kid. Like I loved that book as a kid. And that's, I think that's the thing is that um, the movie, like it first tries to start with that tone, like the very first one, the unexpected journey, it tries to to meet that, but then it just goes right into the, like you just fall right into the pit of all the drama and epic that Lord of the Rings is. And it's not supposed to be that, like you said, it's really supposed to be this light journey and you watch this person evolve and grow from someone who's never got the they break out of their shell like mm. they even know this world around them exists and they get to experience it in bilbo and it's awesome and instead of having all the extra accessory drama and like it's there but it's not like the book doesn't dwell on it to the point that it's really dark and brooding is there a talking um, dragon in the uh the hobbit book yeah, yeah. smog yeah yeah that, that's real okay Oh yeah, so oh, yeah, Smog's in the book. Uh, honestly, like it's the movies are true to the book. Like they're everything that happens is there. It's just they add a like the the movies never should have been or uh or yeah the books never should have been more than two movies if that like it's it's two movies maybe, um or one really long ass one movie. Yeah, that's um, what I wish they would have done is made like one three hour ten minute movie. I think that would have been that would have been the way to do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And there's extra stuff that's added like I, I mean spoilers for it. Legolas is in the second and third films. Legolas has nothing to fucking do with Hobbit. Like never introduced in the Hobbit. And they just added him because money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah that's that's kind of like and it's more of that and like things that are added that have that had no like point or place within the uh the uh, book itself um but no the book is a great read and it also i think it actually plays to tolkien's strength as a writer more than the lord of the rings does like the lord of the rings is an epic and the story itself is so great and the contribution it has later to fantasy is like you know cannot be uh understated however his prose within that book is so long like the detail he'll put into describing certain scenes and settings around, it just it it, it can kind of get boring or, or really drawn out. And in the Hobbit, it, there's not as much of that. Like you really, it's a lighter read. It's a lot easier to take in, and it's it's nice. That being said, like it's it's hard to rate one or the other in terms of what you like. That, that's my opinion on it. I love both equally, but I, the the one thing I heard about uh, Tolkien is that he's great world building. Uh, and obviously he has great ca- characters, iconic. I just like how certain writers, like you have your world building uh, writers and then you have your intense character development writers and stuff. And sometimes both can't come together. <laughs> like sometimes they focus more on the characters than the actual, you know, uh, place uh, or um, fucking word I'm looking for, but whatever, the world. Uh, but... Yeah, I can't wait to finish that. I, I'm just 
with you with your magic card is me with my books. I like I found a Dune box set of books that I want to get. Um, and then I also want to get Ender's Game. Like there, there's so many good box sets out there. Because I listen. Usually these books alone are like twenty dollars. I'm finding these box sets for thirty dollars, and I'm just like mm-hmm. something ain't right here. I mean, maybe the way it's been published or whatever. I mean, if you're a collectible, you're gonna want to get the expensive one, the hardcovers and shit. But I, I found a couple of hardcover uh, sets that were pretty cheap. So I just been on a book buying spree. I watched the Batman. I won't go into spoilers, um, but I will say. I'm gonna make a bold statement here. A really, really fucking bold statement here. Riddler in this movie is better than Heath Ledger Joker. I know they're totally different. Whoa. But Dano is better than Heath Ledger. Oh. It was it was a really good performance. You know, some people don't like it. Some people really don't like it either. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me because I never really hear good explanations for it either. It's just I don't like it. It's like so, okay, it's why? It's different. I don't like it. Yeah, the one thing uh, that the one thing that people are saying is that he's too militarized, and I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's like, What's he got an assault rifle? Did no. they not pay attention to the movie? <laughs> no, I don't think so. He he, he like he, he grows like a cult, uh, pretty much, uh, to like. Put he pretty much made Antifa. <laughs> he kind of did, but here's the thing: like when he's saying where he's like he's too militarized, like there's a point, yeah, where he's saying he's got followers and they kind of act on his behalf a little bit at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, he doesn't actually physically do anything other than uh, a couple things in the movie. But he's never he never takes a gun or shoots anybody or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's all That's actually almost- great. It's all more sneaky bullshit or something, or him setting up his fucking saw death traps. Yeah. Colin Farrell, great as the penguin. <laughs> I th- this whole cast has been casted really well. It, literally, Colin Farrell is playing a fat uh Robert De Niro. Like his voice is Robert De Niro. I got you! <laughs> I got you! <laughs> it's awesome. But uh, I will say I Matt Reeves is great. He did the Planet of the Apes movie, and he also did uh, this Batman movie. And I heard he's getting a sequel for the Batman. They're going to do a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. So I didn't spoil too much. Um, I'm going to go watch it. Go watch it immediately. I need I need to make this happen so we can talk about it. I'm curious. I I made, actually, I I can't recall. Zach, Andy, did you all do um, when we did a movie night a while back? It's like a year or so ago. We did a movie night in my house, and I, I curated the two uh, uh, movies that I, I I can't remember what the second one was now, but I know the one was a uh, was a film with Robert Pattinson, and it was basically around the fact that they announced him as Batman, and it was getting a lot of crap. And I was like, guys, I think he's actually going to be a great Batman, and this is why. And I showed you guys a film that that he was in, and it was really good. Yeah, I was there for it. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I probably have well, Ro- Rover. Rover was the movie. It was like a like a Rover like post-apocalyptic like western type of film. Yeah, um, yeah, it was really good. I can't remember what the other movie we watched was though. Now for the life, Children of, of Men, I think. 
Children of Men, that's what it was. Yeah, we it, the theme was post-apocalyptic, but like it was really an excuse to basically sell everyone and say, Robert Pattinson isn't just a sparkly vampire. Like He's actually got some range. Um, and his Watch character the was Lighthouse. Movie. Oh, the, yeah, The Lighthouse is a good one. Yeah, that, that I think, uh, was the other one we talked about. But, I love that movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. William Defoe farts in it. It's great. Um... <laughs> That's why it's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> William Defoe fart would watch again. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's all. That's all I've been doing. The Batman. I I don't remember if I played any games. I'm trying to think. I don't think I did. So, so Mario Kart, I guess. Yeah, Mario Kart. You yeah. play Mario Kart. I will say this. I didn't say it after because I tr- I held back the laughter. But you comparing you buying books and get sets to my magic addiction is like comparing an apple to a, an orange that's soaked in meth for three hundred years. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're they're similar, but they're a little different. It's like you got I I'm addicted to buying books, and then you got I am addicted to throwing my money into fire. <laughs> <laughs> one of you sounds like a heroin addict. The other one sounds like some white bitch. <laughs> oh, this is great. Anyway, uh, let's get into some Star Trek, huh? Uh, so Andy, I'll let you take it away for generations. Okay. Um. It's Star Trek, and they basically do the same stupid plot that they did with the second movie, where the captain, the captains, both are like, "Oh, I'm so old. Oh, my hips. Oh, I don't know if I could do this forever." And then they do it forever. <laughs> did they? I was gonna say, did they do a thing in one of these older movies where Kirk's yes, like, all the time. Like that's every not- other movie has this plot, and that's not to say that they're bad. I mean, it, you know, the second Star Trek movie is like one of the best sci-fi movies ever made let alone you know the best star trek pretty much because you know kirk's like oh i'm getting old and i can't climb mountains anymore and then they do a lot with it and then in this movie they kind of introduce that theme like of of getting old you know time is a predator and it looks for us and at the end he's like no time is just a a companion on your journey or whatever and they do some stuff with it. The, the the frustrating part about this movie, I'm just cutting to the chase here, I guess. The, fr- the frustrating part about this movie is it kind of half does a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that kind of makes it like half good. The, the movie has a lot of stuff about it I don't really like. I, I, we'll, we'll talk about, I mean, the big, big draw of this movie is it has Kirk and Picard in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many people remember it fondly. At the beginning, they've christened the uh enterprise c with a really cool i like the opening credit sequence of the bottle of dom flying through space it's, it looks yeah. cool it's nice but uh they christen the enterprise and they're flying around the solar system and they've got um scotty Chekhov, and kirk there and then some kooky nonsense happens and they gotta save two ships and in the ensuing chaos uh Kirk is killed, they think. They think Kirk's killed. He's actually sucked in this stupid space ribbon called the Nexus. The Nexus. Which, I guess, grants your subconscious desires for, like, a peaceful life or something. Like, the way that Sauron, um, uh, Michael Mc- uh, an underutilized Michael McDowell, uh, describes it, it's, like, euphoric, kind of. It's, like... I am... Um, whatever her name is describes it, too, though. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. It, uh, I, I don't know what it, I'm supposed to. It's just they don't mad. really explain what it is. No. no, and yeah, I the problem with this film, I think, 
is they had a script and they were just like, well, this just looks like a generation uh, next gen episode, you know, a two-parter. Uh, because that's what... we're going to be saying that a lot coming up this month. <laughs> yeah. And like, I feel like they threw Kirk in there because <laughs> it's like rubbing the legend kind of thing. Like in wrestling, like, oh, let's bring back Goldberg or let's bring back The Undertaker or Shawn Michaels. It's kind of like that with this one because, like, yes, uh, Next Generation's kind of big at this point. You know, everybody loves Picard and the Next Gen crew. Um, but at the same time, they're just like, well, can they do movies just like how Kirk and uh, the original Star Trek cast does? Um, and, you know, there's a couple of uh, movies that are good. Uh, but this one, uh, like, Kirk is in the beginning and literally the end. And that's it. Like, everything in the middle is, you know, building up the Sauron uh, guy and talking about the Nexus. Picard... I mean, this is a next generation movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, show, the show just ended that year in spring, mm -hmm. and then they came out with this movie that November. Yeah, Voyager, I believe, started, or was it Deep Space Nine? I don't know. I think it was Deep Space Nine that after Next Gen. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, yeah, like the Nexus thing, I, I was confused about that because. Sauron is trying to get the Nexus again, right? Because he wants to go back in there, correct? That's his yeah, motive. That's all he that's all he cares about. Just getting back yeah, in the Nexus. But you've never seen him yeah. in the Nexus. So uh, no, he he is. So I think uh the, the beginning of the film, and again, this is me coming from I've give I give backstory for those who are listening. I have watched zero Star Trek. So I'm throwing right into the mix of I'm just trying to follow the move for what it is. In the very beginning uh, when they have the, the ribbon and they're trying to save the people that are there and they pull him aside. There's a quick scene where, you know, Malcolm McDowell's character is there and Sauron and, or, uh, or Soren, Sauron. Is it, it's Sauron, right? Is that Doesn't how you really say matter. it? Sauron? Yeah. Sauron. Remember the Sauron. X-Men. That's yeah. his name. Gotcha. Yeah. That's right. So he keeps saying, I need to go back. I need to go back. And I think what was happening was there were people that had already, within like the space of where they were at, like maybe their physical space was still within the ship and the, and like physically the ship may have gotten destroyed, but like their consciousness or whatever else was still within the Nexus. And whenever they transported so many people, they transported those people uh, safely physically, but then they also pulled them out of that Nexus. Like they had that experience. That's why uh, I can't remember her name now. Whoopi Goldberg's character. Uh, mm -hmm. Got, yeah, Guinan. Yeah, she also was able to experience it, and the way she described it again was like it was like being at your your innermost content. And she warned Picard later on, "If you go there, you will not want to leave." And um, because you get to experience what's most content to you, and they set that up, and there's like very little payoff. Like he, it's like Christmas morning, and he's happy for like four minutes, and he's like, "Wait a minute, something's wrong." Hey, fuck this, I'm leaving. And like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like all these Christmas other people morning. are just like weak losers, and Picard's like, "They can't trick me with this shit. I'm getting out of here." <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna give a t different take of this. That it, this is one of the like things in the film that I actually enjoyed the most. I don't know why, but I actually, I actually got really emotional during this part, um, and I think it, it is weird because it's it's like this rapid thing that builds up. But again, take this for someone that's watched nothing else, has no no other context other than I know that 
like I, I know from pop culture references and stuff where some things lie, but I, I don't know a lot about Picard's character. I can pick up very quickly. He's very stern. Like he's very sworn to his duty as, as a captain. And uh, when the story pr- progresses and, you know, he has this sudden shift and change when he first gets introduced, you know, they're doing the, the thing with Worf and um, where he's attempting to try to, uh, to grab uh, the hat and, uh, like the simulator and then he gets news it is whole demeanor changes and he becomes like kind of distant to everyone and he's snappy and then he goes over like what's going on with his family and he starts to describe that um and I, I was actually telling my wife about this too like i feel like i and it's not one of those cliched things but it is like i experience things differently because i have a kid like i've went back and watched things that i watched before and i've re- I reacted to them differently because of that it does change you in a way but when I saw that, I was like, man, I really sympathize with him because of the fact that he was coming to the age and realizing I regret not having my own children. And I just found out the thing that I would get closest to having as a child is gone, has been ripped from me. Even if it's brief, it's like, okay, I can I can get that. Okay. Um, so then, you know, as the story progressed and they show where he's at and he's at Christmas Day and he has all these kids and he's – he's kind of thrown off, but then he's overwhelmed with the joy of having it. So for that minute, he's enjoying it. But then immediately he sees his nephew and it's in that moment. He's not stuck on all oh, I can get this back. He realizes, well, this isn't real because the one thing I know that is real is the pain that I felt. So recently knowing my, my nephew died. And like, I think that's why so quickly he's able to switch it because he's otherwise a pretty pretty cold person just like in general mostly to, to keep his emotions down to do his job the right way and i think that's what allows him to break off and say as much as this hurts i i have to get out but they do it quickly i, I will say that they do it quickly but i guess for me like i i related to that or i guess i i was bonded to it and i it stuck with me because yeah um and it was really sad like i i had to hold back to keep a dry eye because i but again it's just thinking like that's really sad I'll, so, I'll, t- I'll i'll tell you yeah. a scene that i was sad about but i've seen this movie 10 times and i get sad every time but like uh mm-hmm. before that i, I want to teach you some star trek stuff here uh oh yeah so teach me the reason why they chose the storyline about picard having kids and stuff and the, and the nephew is that the shtick throughout the whole show is that he hates kids like that was the rumor that he like hated kids and uh like he like kind of takes crusher uh will wheaton's character uh as Mm -hmm. like a as as a son figure and all that stuff in the show um Mm -hmm. and another star trek lesson uh the whole ship thing uh is called the hollow deck and zachary knows about it because one of the episodes that we watched had sherlock holmes and all that stuff in it uh but already yeah you could choose all the uh whatever you want in the hollow deck so if you want to that be... part's really good in this movie i really like the holiday yeah. scene it doesn't make sense that their clothes stay on but it's kind of like forgivable just because it's so cool like it's fun that's mm. a fun scene um i thought you were going to talk about there's a i i also seen this movie like you know at least half a dozen times but i picked up on something this time for the very first time uh, in the prologue, you know, the 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 old guys are getting shown around the new Enterprise, and it turns out the helmsman is Sulu's daughter. And, uh, you know, Kirk's like, oh, it wouldn't be an Enterprise without Sulu at the helm, and blah, blah, blah. She walks off, and he's, like, amazed that she's so, you know, so old now. She used to be young. He's like, where did, where did Sulu, 
find the time to have a family. And uh, Chekhov's like, well, it's like you always say, if something's important enough, you you make time for it. And he says something like, way to read the room, Chekhov, or something like that. Kirk's son was fucking murdered. It's like, <laughs> Chekhov, maybe, maybe back off a little bit there, brother. <laughs> and you guys wouldn't know that because you haven't seen that movie. But like, oh, I rough. never picked up on that before. And he's like, Chekhov says that, and like, Kirk's immediately like, Hey man, fuck you. <laughs> I yeah. like completely forgot. Like his son was killed by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, which by yeah, the way that... Christopher wow, Lloyd was a Klingon in one of the movies. Yeah, yeah. It's, he was killed by the Klingons. Yeah. But in one of the uh, sorry, it's a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, Kirk okay. found out he had a son and like bonded with him, and then the son is murdered by Klingons like very <laughs> shortly thereafter. So Kirk almost had a family, and then he didn't. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the, the quickly, like, my almost crying part is every time a Kirk dies in the beginning, because, like, Scotty and Chekhov, like, sitting, because when Chekhov comes, like, well, who was in this area? And, like, Scotty... Well, I hope no one was in here, he yeah, says. Yeah, and Scotty doesn't, like, say it, but, like, Chekhov kind of knows, and I'm like, oh, my God, that hurts. But I know he comes back. Well, we get two. We get two scenes that are, you know, death scenes. Which the sec- the death scene <laughs> at the end made me laugh. How Kirk fucking died, just holding on to that thing. There's <laughs> like this. There's this weird revisionist thing, and I think it partially comes from the Plinket review. A lot of people were pissed off at the way that Kirk dies in this movie. And then Plinkett was like, oh, it's not that bad and stuff like that. And a lot of people started saying, like, oh, it's not that bad. It is that bad. I hate the way Kirk dies in this movie. It, it kind of sucks. Yeah. It kind of yeah. sucks. It's just, it's, 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 it's nothing. Like, I understand he's saving millions of lives, and that's, that's totally something Kirk would do. But for the sake of the movie, like, I mean, let us see this civilization he's saving or tie it in with, like, uh, a federation base or the enterprise or something like there needs to be a little more at stake for kirk on a personal level because that makes it mean more to us the viewer i think but mm-hmm. i don't know whether he falls off a bridge and just dies it's yeah. like, oh okay uh, another thing Very i want throw away another thing i want to bring up about the first area uh of seeing uh and i call him captain cameron uh cameron from ferris bueller's day off uh the all oh, right right yeah. uh <laughs> when he's like not knowing what to do in this situation and like kirk is like i i i do that i do that at parties now where i just sit at the like at a at a table and every time i see someone doing something i go i get up and sit back down something wrong with your seat captain <laughs> you start start walking around acting like you know what to do and you're just waiting for somebody to give you permission to do it Mm-hmm. The rumor was there. This is this is kind of as an aside. They're making that new Star Trek television show, Captain Pike. About yeah, and and there was at very first there was a rumor that it was going to be about him as the captain. No. <laughs> I wanted that. That'd be funny. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little side note: uh, Star Trek New Worlds uh, is getting good reviews. It's kind of saying that it has the original Star Trek vibe. So watch out for it um, if you want to check it out. 
but uh, so wait, it's out. Like people have seen it. Where where are these reviews coming from? That's uh, what it's coming out in two days, and people already reviewed like five episodes already. I don't know how. I don't, I don't trust those people. I don't trust the people that got it early. They're they're all liars and bots. I'll trust real <laughs> liars and bots. <laughs> I mean, who would have the time and the money to pay people to do something like that? Honestly, Tony Khan. I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sauron as a villain was very weak in this one. Yeah, what a shame too, because I fucking love that actor. And uh, this was actually the first movie I ever saw him in, though. Like I saw everything else later. It's weird to watch this and then later watch um, Clockwork, Orange. Clockwork Orange and then come back to this. And like, <laughs> wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, his character is like super underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I don't know, some scientist guy, and then he's crazy. Yeah. And then you find out he's crazy because he's in Nexus and he got ripped out of it. And that's his whole motivation is he just wants to get back into it. And they don't explain it. They don't explain what the Nexus is. And then you don't even get to see what he saw in the Nexus either, which I thought was like kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like, why does he want to get back in so bad? Like, they talk about how his family was murdered by the Borg. They could have built on that. Like, oh, he's back mm-hmm. with his family or something. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and um, they have this plot, the side plot going on, and again, this is another the emotions chip. Yeah, with with data. Uh, what? You don't like the emotions chip? Not terribly. Now, (laughs) as as an asterisk, (laughs) as an asterisk, uh, I do actually enjoy when Brent Spiner gets to actually act because I think he's a pretty decent actor. I like I like everything that Noonien Soong is in. He's great. I like everything that Lore is in. I've heard he's decent in Picard. I haven't watched it, but like I like when he gets to actually act. So I should like this, but. It's just, I don't know. They turn it up to eleven all the time. I, they do. There's times where it's too much, and then there's sometimes where it's like actually like kind of funny. Easter egg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's funny once or twice, but the other eleven times it's not. It's yeah, it's it's laid on very thick. It almost gets kind of especially when there's like the resolution of certain things. Like, oh, you're supposed to have that. It feels very after school special. Mm-hmm. Like a TV. It does not feel like a movie. But it makes sense in a way where. The whole shtick about Data throughout the whole series is he's trying to understand human. Uh, yeah, that's his whole... And, it, and they, they bring it up in the beginning where, like, everybody's laughing at Worf and, like, Crusher, like, tells Data and he's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna push you. And he does, like, a strong-ass push. Uh, which <laughs> is... Whole, and they're all, like, <laughs> not funny. And I'm like, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I literally like, said it out loud. I was like, that was fucking hilarious. That yeah, was- I laughed. <laughs> yeah, why is that not funny? It's a shame because I, I'm, I'm a total mark for Doctor Crusher because one, she's hot, and one, and two, I like her, kind of like her side story because her side story is that her husband like dies and shit, and like Picard mm-hmm. became like a father figure for, uh, the son, uh, William Crusher, yeah. and. Like I like her character, but she was only in the beginning getting pushed. And that's... she's like the butt of all the jokes in this one too. There was like the thing where they're on the Klingon ship, and then like they they hack Jordy's visor thing or some bullshit so yeah. they can see. And then mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I, we haven't seen anything yet. And then like you see her face because she's checking him out, like in the med bay, and, and they're like, oh. Human females are repulsive. It's like they got like one of the most attractive women in Star Trek, like right there. 
<laughs> That's a good game. You're, I like that. It's funny. Oh, and another Star Trek lesson. Uh, De- Deanna Troy. You know, on uh on the ship where like Picard gets sad when he sees the message and shit. Like, obviously, you could see visually that he's upset, but her mm-hmm. character, she's a Betazoid, uh, and she could feel, uh, you know, how you're feeling and stuff, and sometimes hear an what you... Empath. She's yeah. an empath. Yeah. And uh, that's one of her tricks. So, like, obviously, she knew right away that Picard was upset. Um, that makes more sense. That actually makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. So, I'm going to have to go back and ask for something, because I don't know. For So, it is it's data, right? Data. Data. Data, 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 data. Yeah. So, what is he? Is he just He's an android? Android. He's an, an android. artificial person. He. he okay. This is. I mean, we could turn this into like, oh, we're just going to talk at you about Star Trek for two hours. But I, he was. He was designed by a, uh, a brilliant scientist, and then the scientist was he killed? Was he killed by the crystalline entity? Is that what it was? He, I know when he created Data, because the whole thing is that Data was unique. He's the only yeah. android that was kind of like perfect, uh, almost perfect, that mm-hmm. he could be a human. That is that is android. Yeah, he's, he's like the most perfect possible android at this point in development. Mm. Right. And, and But the scientist who designed him is dead. So there's a lot of mysteries about like how he works and how his positronic brain works and all this other shit. And it turns out like he's got a brother who's kind of crazy and, yeah. uh, and his creator may or may not be dead, but that's a whole nother Dude, fucking it. thing. But yeah, he's an Android. He's just like a really almost perfect Android, but he has no emotions. Yeah. And he's right. trying to figure out what it is to be human. Like there's a whole episode where he like, designs and creates progeny he has a daughter and yeah. everyone's like oh my god i can't even handle the ethical ramifications of what the fuck's going on here dude and then that's, so, a, good I mean, that's a really good episode yeah that's a good one <laughs> i guess this opens up the question here uh do, do you think you need to have watched next gen to to really appreciate this movie any no i think that's one of its failings i think I I think you do personally yeah, you do a little bit a little bit because like there's a lot of inside jokes like obviously uh, an Easter egg by the way when uh, Data like remembers a seven year old joke uh, the Fair Point uh, Far Point Far Point yeah, that, yeah that's an actual yeah episode adventure. that's the first episode ever on mm-hmm. Next Generation so <laughs> well, like when Picard throws away the curl and NASCAR, he just casually tosses it aside like it's a piece of trash. <laughs> I hate that that was pointed out to me because now every time I watch this movie, I'm like, God damn it. Like it could have been anything else. <laughs> like just don't show it. And I'll just assume that Picard got the curl and NASCAR and that flute from the episode where he lived an entire life as that guy. Dude, like, I'll just assume he got those things. When he threw it away, <laughs> I expected the sound effect to happen for real. Like <laughs> the pottery was... smashing. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the sound? Oh, okay. It wasn't real. <laughs> Red Letter Media added that. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, like, so Soren, I thought was pretty weak in this. And uh, I mean, the actor's great. Uh, I like when my favorite parts of the movie is not when he's on the fucking planet, like trying to launch a fucking missile at the sun uh, and shit. But like when he's on the Klingon ship and he like slaps the shit out of the fucking uh, the woman Klingon and she's like, I'm turned on. I hope that was for sexual reasons, pretty much. 
this is a part of a mating ritual, yes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's like a dick to them because he's, he's pretty much using them uh, because obviously they're so stupid because, like, they put the... The the face, which by the way is kind of smart in a way, putting that camera in uh, uh, Jordy, because like they found out like the actual limit of the shield of on what frequency they're gonna have. To I shoot. Like that. that was cool. Yeah. I, I like that thing. That, yeah. That's a fun little stupid science thing. Like yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, but my favorite part is like they mention it in the beginning before they do this stunt, right? Like this is a warship, like. We'll get fucking toasted. So, like, obviously, when they did the first attack and knew that they were shooting, like, they were done for it. And I love that that long pause of the torpedo coming at mm-hmm. the Klingon ship, and then they're just like, oh, we're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Soren just doesn't give a fuck because he's too busy trying to get to the Nexus. And he just he just used him. It's uh, it, it's kind of interesting though. Uh, the those the bad guys the duras sisters or whatever they're also in uh deep space nine and some yes. of the other shit yeah i, I just i was that was that's cool that they actually use enemies from the show and the movie and you know mm-hmm. um i i have to say this like the nexus part with picard and kirk i did not like i it's just I don't know why I did. You mean when they're actually in in the Nexus? Yeah, and it's Christmas for Picard, and then he goes. Well, the, the the Christmas part I was okay with. I was like, oh shit, this like he was happy for a second having kids. So I was like, oh, you know. That... I the thing I didn't like about it is does Picard assume that his life would be a Charles Dickens novel? Like, it's just <laughs> it's weird it, the way his yeah, children it, speak to him. Well, it, I know it, it's it, not whole possible. Setting. It's it's a whole setting like it's it's like it doesn't even look like it would match like the time he's from yeah well like it it's totally just like a fabricated thing right he likes old shit I guess maybe Picard's a really old guy he's kind of an old soul but like that whole shit he was saying at the beginning when they were on the the ship. about the the seas this was the real this was the real era or whatever this is true freedom this is true true freedom nobody can get a hold of you you're out on your own. And no cell phone signal. Yeah, no (laughs) cell phones. (laughs) Oh my god! There's a lot of stuff in the show about like he likes he likes to pretend to be like a private eye in the fifties. He likes Mm -hmm. to fucking. He likes archaeology. He likes collecting old nonsense. Mm -hmm. Very old fashioned man. The the thing with Kirk and Picard is Kirk was very into history, but it was more about like war and stuff. Um. Picard was into history as well, but he was also into like Sherlock Holmes and Charles Dickinson and all that stuff. Like he was big on it, and it's actually shows more of that in Picard the show. Uh, and it's funny because they talk about the 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 family tree of Picard. Uh, because like oh, the first Picards to ever be on Mars and stuff, the first Picard to ever go out and voyage and shit. Uh, they're kind of doing that thing in. Parkard, the uh, the the show that's out right now, with another family member that's doing a Europa mission uh, during that time in twenty twenty four. That's because they're time traveling the show. Uh, but I digress on that. Uh, but my thing I hated about the Nexus is like Picard snaps out of it. He's like, "This shit's fake. Let me get out of here." And then he gets out, and then he's like, "I need to find another person." And then. You know, he, he finds out that Kirk is there because Guinan is talking to him and shit. Where he's like, 
bringing one of the childs to the dinner table. He's like, you can go on without me. And then he goes into his like reading room or whatever, his office and talking <laughs> to fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, and then it transitions to fucking Kirk chopping wood, which. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was the best thing ever. Yeah. It, that is so, you know, Kirk uh, and William Shatner. Uh, but he, I don't know. It's just the way he does what Picard does. He snaps out of it right away. Like he's a little bit longer than Picard because he's like, this is awesome. You know, I get to, you know, not leave. That's what I like about it is Kirk. Like he, he tells Kirk about it and Kirk's like, oh, you're right. Oh, I can do everything right this time. Like he, he's excited about it. He's mm. like, he's all about it. He kind of you know, like, like Sauron. He's like, well, this is what I want. I want to do all this stuff correctly. And then he's like, oh, I didn't feel fear when I jumped that log. So I guess let's go. Yeah, yeah. He said, um, "I think he said like the way I see it, the galaxy owes me one or whatever." Right. <laughs> also, something I just realized. Uh, that's the beginning of the movie Commando. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's chopping wood, and then Picard turns up. And he's like, "Kirk, I need you to come out of retirement and come help me fight <laughs> communists. I mean, fight Sauron." It's the movie. It's the beginning of the movie Commando. I never, I never put that together just now. <laughs> Is is uh I have a question here. Uh is Antonio or whatever, like his does that character ever come up any in like the It's a pass pass by. Like he doesn't mention it, like it's not a storyline, uh, but he does mention it in the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it's a, Dubs is our only expert on the original show. Yeah, I I love all Star Trek. Uh, besides Discovery, I can't stand Discovery. I'll, I'll get around to watching the original series one of these days. I'm going to watch Voyager first, though. I actually uh, been watching Voyager with my dad. Uh, again, side note, Seven of Nine is when she gets on the show is when the show actually picks up. Deep Space Nine is my second favorite, and then Voyager is number three, and then Original is number four. But uh, trying to think what else... Oh, uh, Data has a cat named Spot. That's a thing in the show. Yeah, I like that. I like that part of the beginning where they find Spot and he's like really happy. He's like, oh, that's really nice. I like that. <laughs> How did you like old men fighting? No, oh. it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> These three freaking senior citizens fighting on top of a mountain. It's just. Uh. I'm pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure Patrick Stewart was the youngest out of all of them at that point, too. It's yeah. funny. I, I love how that fight goes. It's just like finally they, they, they have a little fight and he gets his ass kicked and he rolls down a hill or some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he fails and everybody dies. They're all pretty tired. But the, the, the way they frame it, it's like he figures out a way to get through that fucking force field or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he's up there, Sauron's up there fiddling with his controller or whatever. And then it just shows him like standing there. And it's like this awkward pause for like three or four seconds, and it makes me laugh every time it happens because they do the same thing. It happens it. twice, yeah. That that what is this? That gun that Soren has is like so time consuming. Like the the barrel needs to like move to the right when he like aims it and shit. <laughs> it's fucking powerful though. What is that gun? I don't it's know. Not like a phaser. A disruptor, I guess. But yeah, when Picard gets stuck in that thing, he's so funny. He's like, "Ah, I can't move." (laughs) Uh, And then, like the, the, by the way, William Shatner does the same thing that he's always done, whether he was young or old. 
he's still doing the same like Star Trek like uh chops and stuff. Like and like mm-hmm. push and all that stuff. But that's fine. Picard, that's what they taught him in Starfleet. Yeah, Picard was never a fighter. Like he's always been about diplomacy more well, than Well we're gonna discuss that more the rest of the month too. Yeah. <laughs> They try to turn him into John McClane or something. He's not <laughs> supposed to be a fighter. He's got other people to do that for him. Yeah, like Riker. And Worf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another thing I like about Riker, because Riker is the wom- womanizer of the crew. Uh, and I like the part when he's on the ship. He's like a bunch of men. Because remember when Picard's like, yeah, you know, all you had was the stars and the ship. This was freedom. It's like... A lot more men, no women. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. Well, no women, bad food. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> uh, and I have to ask this question, and it's not like a big plot point, but like when Riker says "computer remove plank," was he being a dick to Worf? Or I honestly, I go back and forth all the time. Like I'm not sure if he did it on purpose to be an asshole, or if he really did misspeak because he's like, "That's retracts." like yeah and he like he has a look on his face like oh oops so i don't know i don't know i think every time i watch this movie my opinion only changes that's my opinion yeah that's right it seems like he did it on purpose because he because they were like no one's ever been able to grab the hat and then Worf does it he's like well fuck you anyway (laughs) like computer get rid of like Uh, what it seemed like to me i don't know what else like i said this movie feels like a uh like a big next generation episode it is it feels like a two-parter there's there's a lot more minutiae we could talk about but i mean at the end of the day we, we it's okay it's good it's goodish good enough yeah uh it, light light recommendation generally speaking like it's it's a fun enough movie you could watch it once you I could do a lot worse couple things i want to bring up before i give my recommendation but like when data is with the emotion chip and he's mm-hmm. talking to jordy with the fucking tricorder as like it's a puppet that's funny. yeah that's funny to me a little bit uh when he's doing <laughs> when he's trying to find life forms and he's like making music with all this that's stuff. the one i hate the most that's too much i do like right before they wreck he goes oh shit that's funny that makes me laugh yeah that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> data cursing that's funny Mm-hmm. But like, I'm I'm pretty biased because I'm I'm more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars person. Um, but generations, when I look at it and I watched it ten times, I like it for certain areas. But like I said, it's very easy plot, not a rememberable villain. It's great that Kirk is there. Yeah, uh, how he died was kind of funny and also lame in a way. Like, yeah, he saved people's lives because literally he nukes the planet just so that uh, he could be in the Nexus. I-, I wish we saw Sauron in the Nexus. I would like to see what he's happy about because we- all we've seen in the movie is that he's mad that he was taken out of ne- Nexus and mad that... Uh, he's trying to get back in there the whole time and using the Klingons and shit. So I wish we saw a different side of Sauron. Uh, we know that Captain Kirk burns eggs and then 
toast comes out of uh, a toaster because yeah when did that bread get put in that toaster it doesn't make any <laughs> i have sense. no idea and oh and, that's maybe that's the nexus he's like oh something's missing and the nexus is like oh magic toast yes magic toast because <laughs> he forgot something uh, yeah i guess so and oh one, another thing i want to like the thing i hate about the nexus with william uh with kirk it's like he's jumping over a gap, but like he, they cover it up with writing. He's like, I used to be scared about that every time I jumped it, but not this time because I knew it was fake. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah, they could have done something different where you're like, I don't know, maybe he kissed his girlfriend and it just didn't feel right. I don't No, No, I, no, I actually, I, I'll defend that because it actually makes sense. The, I think the, the thing I think is it's not that you don't feel anything. It's that, the nexus is supposed to have only feelings of content and joy and you don't feel things that would antagonize that so you don't feel fear you don't feel guilt or sorrow that that's why picard actually snapped so quickly because he knew he should feel guilt because renee died and he remembers very recently how he felt about it and he didn't feel it and that's why he's like oh none of this is real because i don't feel the other side of things which make the good things even more treasured so like that to me that's that made a lot of sense but mm. like, again I, uh, yeah. that's review. since you put it that way i understand now uh and one thing before it's a mid recommendation for me because like i still have nostalgia for that movie a little bit so it's a mid recommendation uh but i kind of wish that picard when he was snapping out of it and when the the children were showing the toys from christmas he's like oh shut up Get away from me! I wish, I wish he did that or something. Are you still oh, indulging? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there was one more small point I wanted to make. I fucking hate the lighting in this movie. Yes, hate it. I hate that there's so many rooms that it just like have like a few beams of orange light. What is that? That doesn't even. I understand it's trying to be dramatic movie lighting, but it looks stupid. I hate it. Oh, mm. that's not normal. No, I mean it's a television show. Normally, it's like nice, even TV lighting. Oh, white. Before this is a movie, it has to be dramatic. I know, but they can do that and not make it look stupid. Like he's like brooding in the in the the conference room, and there's just like a little bit of orange light. That doesn't. That's stupid. But before we move to Zach and Chaz's uh, recommendation and final thoughts, Andy, I have a question for you uh, because you know the show and everything. Like always, at the end of an episode. Things are either recapped to uh, the log, the captain's log. Do you hmm. think he logs that Captain Kirk came out of the Nexus and died again? He- I don't know. They don't reveal that. He buries him. He doesn't take his body back. So I always wondered if he doesn't just let it remain recorded that he died. But honestly, knowing Picard, I'm sure he reports that. I'm sure that's in his... I, I went with that. I, I would think Picard is very by the book. So yeah. I, th- I think he would do that. But another part of me goes, well, maybe they want him to remember him to be uh, both are him being a hero. But I don't know if yeah. people would accept that he came back and died again. I don't know. Maybe because of the grieving process. I just if if he does that, then the knowledge of the Nexus is going to become public knowledge. And I feel like that would be problematic. Just in general for the universe but i I don't know who cares i don't think we're supposed to think about that (laughs) all right zach do you have any final thoughts or things that you want to bring up and then your recommendation um 
it felt a little half-baked uh, in a lot of ways, but it was still a little enjoyable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's, I have like a bit of a nostalgia for next gen stuff. A little bit, even though I've never watched the whole series or anything. Uh, so yeah, I guess I give it like a, a light recommendation, especially because I know where this goes later. Like I enjoyed it. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Well, no, oh, we, we got we got a bump. We got one bump coming up, then it's downhill. I is well, that the one with the purple space bazooka? D- that that's on the downhill slope. Yeah, that's Damn. Downhill. <laughs> uh I I'm not gonna show my hand. I'll 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 wait. I'll wait until we uh get to that uh movie. But Chaz, would any any thoughts, any final thoughts and recommendation? I mean I've I shared a lot of what how already felt as we were talking through everything. I, I mean, I think that coming into it without any knowledge or prior experience watching Star Trek and just knowing what I do from from you know, culture references or people telling me this or that, um, I I enjoyed watching the movie. Like it was fine. Like I think it's difficult for me to to really pick a recommendation or not just because I have nothing else to compare it to. And again, I'm kind of thrown right into the center of of this this universe of 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 characters and I'm still waiting to kind of figure out and understand more. And maybe like, as I don't know, references, things could be better or worse depending on that. So it's kind of difficult to, I, I think I'd, yeah, I'd stick to like a light recommendation because it, it wasn't like a mind blowingly good movie. Uh, I think uh, Zach actually, I think hit it on the head. Half baked seemed pretty good because the plot does seem a little off and it feels very loose in terms of things are just kind of letting happen. But um but yeah, I still enjoyed certain parts of it and um, really enjoyed at least seeing Picard's character uh, arc play out throughout the movie. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So yeah, I'll, I'll stick to light recommendation. I think that's that's good enough. Cool. All right. Well, the next movie is Star Trek uh, First Contact and we get some Vulcan action going. Uh, so remember to watch Star Trek First Contact. And then come back and we'll talk about it. Uh, but before we end the episode, we usually talk to, about news that matter to us. And I'm going to let Zach take away because we have some hefty new or a special news to talk about as far as acquisition. Yeah. So uh, Monday, uh, this big news story dropped where like, uh, Embracer Group, which is like apparently like a conglomeration of some larger indie publishers or something, uh, made a bid to buy IDOS off of Square Enix and they sold it to them for $300 million. Uh, and that, that means they get all the IDOS properties, which is like Deus Ex, Thief, Tomb Raider, uh, Hitman. I saw uh, something. Didn't they also get Crystal Dynamics? Yeah, Crystal yeah. Dynamics is part of mm-hmm. IDOS. They, they were they were part of them before. That's interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, Legacy but, but uh, Square Enix kept uh, Just Cause and something else, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know what the other thing is. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that somewhere. And I was like, why? That doesn't. It's just Maybe cause it's not that big of a deal. I, I mean, just cause makes money. It's yeah. people yeah. like it, but I never cared for it. 
Um, but that was like that felt like pretty big news to me. It was very sudden, and I feel like they like I said in the chat they kind of got it for a steal in my opinion to me that shows you like what they really thought of all those ips to sell it for so low yeah and it's interesting because you know you always hear about like all these triple a companies and shit or uh first party companies they they always like have mega crunch time so i wonder if like these indie publishers are gonna be like hey just you know Give fanfare, like do 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 what the hardcore gamers want in those franchises, and make a good game, and take some time to make that game, so that we actually have you know a one yeah. a good game. <laughs> like what, they what? seem to indicate in the press release that it was going to give IDOS more autonomy to like operate. Because it's like I brought this up in the chat. Like there was there was always this real big double standard and for like Square Enix owned IDOS in terms of like how like the expectations they were under versus like whatever Square Enix was doing themselves. Mm. It's always like you guys got two years, you need to you need to hit six million dollars or it's a failure or, or something all the time and they'll take fucking ten years to make a game and blow a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. I I the thing I want is uh Tomb Raider. Um yep. I want that and I also want a new thief. I think we'll get. There's definitely a new Tomb Raider. They pretty much said right off the bat, there's gonna be a new Tomb Raider, there's gonna be a new Deus Ex. But they said everything is gonna get a new game. They even said they pulled Legacy of Kane out of the Legacy of Kane. Yeah, oh, it's, just getting, man. it's a huge deal because that game's been a dead IP pretty much for like 18 years. Yeah, that I I wonder about. Um, I wonder if there's still some remnants of they tried to make like two more Legacy of Kane games and they both like kind of disappeared into the ether. I, I don't know. I watched uh, what happens about it and it was Dead Zone or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, that was one. That was definitely yeah, there, one. Of them. That was the console game. It actually, seemed like it would have been kind of cool, and it just got the rug pulled out from underneath it. Mm. I, I, I know they're probably just going to start from nothing, but I I would love to just be a fly on the wall when they decide what they're going to do. Are they going to use anything? Are they going to, who, who's going to write this thing? Are they going to get original people back? Cause you know, it's been fucking 15 years. I want, if ask, yeah. If you ask me what they should do, this will sound like, Oh, it's easy, but like, I think it needs to be, needs to happen this way is they should look at doing a blood omen remake. Ooh. Oh, just, just, just to start out, just to get everyone warmed up. Yeah. Plus that game's old. And some people like the way it's designed, it's, kind of uh it's a unique game i'll put it that way it's got some of its own uh quirks uh quickly quickly i here's because i i know i'm going to sound like i'm hypocritical but if any reboot or remake deus ex like the first game that ever came out on pc i think that would be a perfect remake right you think? I guess. Does it need remade? I've never played it, honestly. Oh man, I I love that game. <laughs> there there's choices in that game where like you'll talk to a person. This is just a random like it's a hooker, and like she's like, "Give me some money, man." And then like you could either choose, you know, either give them money or like do another good deed or be a dick. And like the dick response is, "Go get a job." <laughs> and you could like. That's- it's sound life advice. Yeah. Go get a job. Yeah. But uh 
I, I, I truly want a remake because if, if anything, I think you could show off as far as one, uh, their freedom, uh, with this publisher. If there is a lot of freedom, that means we'll get a true game in my opinion. Because a lot of games that come out these days, they, they're so generic and cookie cutter. Like, they have to have certain things like battle passes and DLCs. Like, that's more important than anything than the actual game. So I hope, like, the indie publishers, they're putting more focus on actually giving us a fully loaded game. And I don't mm. mind paying $90 if you're going to give me a fucking full game. This... Uh, it, it, it's it's worth noting. Um, I looked up this Embracer Group people, and it, it's an incorporation of a bunch of other studios. And you'd think it's all like rinky dink little losers. No, like Gearbox is one of them. So there's still like you know Gearbox has to work with a publisher, Take Two, to make big games, and then those games do indeed have smaller transactions and you know uh, uh, game plans for future DLC or or, or packs of stuff. So this doesn't make these IPs immune to any of that that chicanery, but I think it it it's less likely now. It's it's just worth putting a little asterisk there and being like, no, this is be optimistic, but it's not cautious. Perfect, optimistic, cautious optimism. Yeah, yeah. It's the best it's mm -hmm. always had. But uh, I mean, it's kind of a wait and see kind of thing now. Uh, but I am excited. Because if I get more Deus Ex and Thief and Tomb Raider, I'm all for that. I actually, even though I don't like how they portrayed Lara Croft, uh, I did buy the trilogy um, that was on sale on Xbox. So I'm still going to go through that before I play whatever new game they come out with. Uh, it's it's a good trilogy. It's just each each successive one goes a little bit further down the hill, so to speak. Yeah. A little less gooder. Starts starts at a real high point and then just kind of over time drops. Yeah. Don't watch the movie by the way. It's terrible. I already watched the movie. It was not very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Uh nothing with that. Uh I'm kind of curious what's gonna happen to the Avengers game too now. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I was curious to see with uh, Eidos, uh Montreal being the ones that made the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which if you haven't played it, it was actually one of the like sleepers last year. Mm -hmm. That game was actually really good. It had a lot of, a lot of like good beats to it. Um, so um, I'd recommend that to anybody in terms of looking at games from 2021. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what future projects they're going to move on, and kind of curious with what you had said, Andy, about how. Uh, or I guess the, the general conversation was about how they might break away from some of that that cookie cutter uh, type of of AAA metric. You know, if they are able to break from that, that was a big thing that held something like the Avengers back. So then, does that mean that they're able to go on with a future project? Like, I don't think you reboot that specific franchise again, but is there another one you can move on with? Like one that was discussed was like a Fantastic Four franchise here, or could. Could you do something they wouldn't else have the rights to that, right? Square has the Marvel rights, not Eidos, right? No, it's split up. Um, yeah, yeah it's split. Insomniac, which means Sony, has mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Apparently they have Wolverine. Yeah. It makes me think they actually have X-Men uh, as a whole, probably. I can't wait for mm, not, oh, That's true. Yeah, I forgot about Insomniac having that. 
Yeah, the, the rights are split up everywhere. And that's what's so funny about this is like. Well, I just mean like in in this mess. in this divorce, they didn't get the Marvel children. I, d- I don't think so. I think Square Enix still has Square the, Enix has that. Oh, so yeah, okay. Then that that's a, it's still it's kind of curious. And well, then what does Square do with all that? Because boy, they they really took a big swing and a miss with with Avengers. Like they lost. I think like this past quarter or something, they released like how over the past year or two when that that game came out, like how much money they lost uh, yeah. with, with making that game. So then it's King especially with how trip. What is it? Kingdom Hearts 4 is where they're going to put the Marvel stuff in. I guarantee it. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but it's uh, like... They had a chance with 3, and they didn't do it, and I, I don't know. I I feel like there's some weirdos controlling what goes into Kingdom Hearts and what doesn't, and I think they must have some like high and mighty idea of, of what's okay and what isn't. Because because at this point, you know, why, why didn't they have, like, you know... I've been saying it forever. A little Muppets cameo. Put some Marvel in there. Get some Star Wars nonsense. Why not? Listen, Square Enix. If you're fucking listening to me, put fucking Muppets in there. I will fucking buy that game twice. Just so you know. That's all I'm gonna say. Hear that? He wants. He wants Kermit fighting Darth Vader. Kermit the Frog here in Miss Piggy. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Waka waka. Sorry, the whiskey's kind of kicking in right now. Um, Zach, what you were saying was was the thing that's most interesting to me about this is Square's weird double standard about uh, they'll take a thousand years to make something. And Final Fantasy VII Remake famously started at an outside studio, and then Square came in and said, this sucks, this sucks, we're taking this back, we're going to do it ourselves. And then they took it in-house, and I guess it turned out to be a good thing. The game's really good. And uh, kind of the same thing with Kingdom Hearts. It took like a thousand years to make that goddamn game. Um, my impulse is to be like, oh, they're just doing that because it's Western developers and they're famously, um, you know, they're they're obtuse about working with foreigners on this other stuff. That's why they got the weird foreign IPs and stuff like that. But this is a good segue into another kind of piece of news that I was kind of interested about and I was reading a lot about. Uh on Twitter, Yuji Naka of Sonic the Hedgehog fame and Balan Wonder World fame. I was it. I think about it. I was like, hang on, I can do it right <laughs> this time. Um, apparently, six months before that game came out, Square removed him as director and then just like got just took him out of the office because uh, they wanted that game made and they just. It's kind of the same thing. They said, look, you're going to hit these milestones and we're going to release that game. I don't care what state it's in. And I guess at six months, he was like, no, this isn't done. We're going to do all this other stuff. And he was doing all these things that he thought would improve the game. And Square said, no, that's going to delay this too much. They got in a huge fight and they just like got rid of him and finished it on their own. And then when it came out, obviously it like ruined his reputation like he was still doing promotion for it he like did some interviews and he was on some shows and stuff about it but after it came out it like wrecked his reputation so he took them to court over it and Mm -hmm. the court case wrapped up recently that's why he was free to speak about it publicly but he didn't speak specifically about what had happened but the implication that he had was that he had won but I, i don't really know to what degree Maybe yeah, I don't, I don't think that. I, yeah, I think it was a settlement outside. But yeah, since then he's come out and I think that, I think part of it is he's not allowed to say. 
probably. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like a non-disclosure that was part of the settlement. But that kind of, like you said, gives the implication that he won. But he has been able to since say that he was taken off of the project, which either way really helps in some ways with his reputation because now he can say, no, I was actually trying to fix it. Yeah, it was tried. a steaming pile of crap that I was trying to fix, and they wouldn't let me, and they, they remained keep it as a steaming pile of crap. I have I have mixed feelings on this, but overall, I, I pretty much side with Yuji Naka. If for no other reason, then I just want to. I want that to be true. I want it to not be his fault. <laughs> and it it, it might have been shit anyway. Like maybe Square was like, okay, we got to turn no matter what we do. <laughs> it's worth just, noting in the past, Yuji Naka has been kind of an obstinate figure in game development. He's very right. stubborn. He really wants his way a lot too. There's a lot of stories when he developed Renea Sky Soldier along those lines. So yeah, that's why I'm saying like I kind of go either way. But hopefully, this is going to continue. This we're kind of seeing a very vague trend of creators fighting back in the video game industry for control of their stuff. Because you like you know in the film industry or music or something, creators have a lot more control over video games. I know that people will say, oh, it's because hundreds of people make video games. Didn't you see your last Call of Duty had like 6,000 people? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like the one person who's directing the game. Like after Konami treated Kojima the way they did, this shit's all under a microscope now. Like we're all looking around for mistreated creators. And here's one, apparently. Like Square thought enough of it to settle with him. So I don't know. I I just wonder what's going to come of it going forward yeah. yeah who knows maybe we'll enter an o-core era of, of video game development maybe maybe this will lead to better things i hope do you guys agree like let's not like leave retro out of it right in the, the 90s but like around like 2008 like 2012 gaming was pretty good during those times right like a lot of good franchises came out, Left for Dead, uh, all. The- uh, yeah, I mean that might partially be your rose-tinted glasses, but yeah, for the most part, sure. I mean, there was an awful lot of Call of Duty clonage going on at the time too. True. I- There's a lot of shit you don't remember. There was like Dark Void, Singularity, a bunch of other generic. Singularity. I look back on that time not as fondly. Uh, it was real. It was a time of real growing pains, and there's a lot of different stuff going on. Okay, let me compare it to the Bionic Commando remake. Sorry, <laughs> Zach, would you take that time frame uh, and say it's better than today's time frame in gaming? Haze. Sorry, I didn't know. No. I, I, I threw Haze in there. I, I, I'm taking that one. I, I, I yelled Haze. It was my one okay, input. I had to contribute. Uh, cause that is when it felt like development started to get more, uh, a cookie cutter, I guess, as you say, mm. uh, yeah. Cause of all the Call of Duty clones <laughs> also visually back then, if you really go, really go back and look at that stuff, Brown. uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of the games didn't look very good visually for a while. Uh, there was like kind of another weird 3d era growing pain shit going on there. Like sort of like the early 32-bit days and stuff, but back then you had more innovation for those games. Some games might look like garbage, but man, some of the ideas people were coming up with or trying to make work was just a lot more fresh back then because that was just uncharted territory. 
I think a big part of that had to do too with think about what like right now graphically where we're at. Like it's so mm-hmm. it's so far removed from where it was then. And at that time, like think about the games that stood out visually, like that were just like breathtaking at the time. A lot of them were they the common theme, Unreal Engine. Like that was right when someone was getting on board and there was a standard for those visuals and now like everyone's like everyone effectively has uh, some type of uh, access to, to those types of visuals. Uh, so I think that's part of it, but yeah, I, w- I would agree. I think in terms of what was there, it is easy if you had one or two things to, to hang your hat on. To, um, and again, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I, there were definitely yeah. some games I enjoyed within that time. Oh, a thousand percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, technically the greatest game ever, uh, made uh, came out in that time frame, Dark Souls. So uh, anyway, uh, I wish we'll breeze past that with no argument, right? Um, but uh, I think despite that, there were a lot of turds. And I think that I would argue the actual next five-year period after that was better. I think 2013 up to like 2017, 2018, there were a lot of AAA like uh, duds, but there's also a lot of good series that came out of that that helped uh, – redefine things think about the games that came out in that time frame i mean also also that's when uh indie games were starting to shape up more and change like what they were coming out with because back in that time people were still real big into like oh the 8-bit retro pixel shits and some of those games are fun but (laughs) it's like everybody kind of grew up and put their big boy pants on trying to make more advanced games a little bit in that space too I think access to indie gaming's also got picked up dramatically. I think that's a big thing too, because now it is it is a lot easier to access uh, indie games in multi-platform. Like, again, if you if you're someone that is not casual, uh, and you understand like, oh well, I can use my Steam library to access certain games. Like, it's a lot easier to get to indie stuff. But for people that didn't do that, like, think about how the Switch, for instance. I feel like helped revolutionize that. Now, for better or for worse. Like the Switch would have have a bunch of indie just shit, just garbage put on that that marketplace, and you have to like dig through to find it. But there are some real gems that have come out on the Switch. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like, there's a lot yeah. of shit on their shirts. Just don't buy it. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. for that, but, but through that though, there are a lot of great games. And otherwise, think of the 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 things, the projects that have happened, and the successes that have happened that I don't know if those would have existed. Like, people wouldn't have been able to find those had they been limited to PC only, Where, whereas the, the consoles now really support the uh, the indie scene. Dub said up to 2012, and you said the next five-year period. That is, that's like the golden, I mean, that's the renaissance of, like, the indie game period because uh, Indie Game the movie came out, like, 20, I want to say 12 or 11. And that was about them working on like Braid and Fez and stuff. And then they all came out and then they were good. Mm-hmm. Fez came out 2013, I'm pretty sure. And Braid mm-hmm. like right on its heels. And um, uh, what's the game that came before Inside? Or is mm-hmm. it Inside? Yeah, whatever. Inside. Like I, I remember I, I remember having my Xbox 360 and going on the marketplace all the time. And they were always highlighting indie stuff and i i I miss every summer they would do indie summer whatever and every week there would be a new indie game and they would highlight it and they would have trailers and they Mm -hmm. would have press and ads about it Uh, explosion man and a bunch of other like 
weird little things like that. And I, oh, I goodness. There were so many good ones. You had that. It was a Super Meat Boy. Then later on, Shovel yeah, Knight yeah, was Super in that Boy next too, era. Yeah. Um, Bastion was another good one that's underrated. Uh, that, that was in that indie phase, like 2013, uh, 2014, I think. Like, or it, Actually, it might have been in the 2011, 2012 range. I don't remember, but... But yeah, my my no, main, my main thing about that is like yeah, there was like things that were copying like Call of Duty and zombie mode and horde mode like that was kind of like the start of like trends and fads that were happening in gaming. Um, but at the same time, like there was studios that were still trying new things and and putting out like nearly like not. Not full games, but enough to be like I I can justify the sixty dollar purchase compared to what today is because you don't know what you're getting when you're purchasing a game. You I mean obviously you could do the smart thing and wait and see what it's all about, but like if you if you're not that person that you're always buying games, uh, when you're buying the sixty dollar game, you don't even know if you're getting the full one hundred percent game. You could be getting like a thirty percent game. And then in two years, you'll get the full game. But I feel like during that time frame, I feel like I was getting a game than today. So mostly. I I, I mean, it's kind of unfair to choose a whole five-year period and expect it to all be, you know, sunshine and gumdrops or shit. You're going to get both out of everything. And, you know, the monster of the week back then was horse armor. It was downloadable content. And, you know, then, you know, we were worried about uh, a bunch of other stuff. It was last year. It was loot boxes. Now it's games as service. Like, there's, there's, like, like I said, there's always going to be a monster of the week. <laughs> it, it took me a second. I, I, I it took me yeah, a second. Horse armor. That's, Oblivion. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember. I was that was like, the one. It was, me. it was like $10 <laughs> or something. Everyone was like, fuck you. I remember the And forms. then they figured it out. Then they were like, okay, we can't do that. <laughs> I remember early facebook of people fucking going nuts and i'll point out one of the biggest outrages that happened in the in the last 10 years for a game just to to make the argument i i I would disagree with you dubs only for the fact that i I think that the those types of things have always been around i think that uh it just depends on if you had an era or a time frame where you really enjoyed something it might make it easier to not see where those things happen but one of the largest outrages and examples of an unfinished game pissing people off to no end mass effect 3 think about this massive franchise that within that five year six year window which was awesome right mass effect one and two and the payoff for three you had to basically buy downloadable downloadable content to then get some type of justification because they totally botched the ending of the game which really sucks because that the game itself was really good until they just cobbled together the end and it kind of shows well that was right when they were getting into that era of okay we're gonna developers are really pushing and making them crunch harder and harder to push out games and they're gonna put them out unfinished and have dlc to, to clean up the mess what was it the uh what was the other game that came out of that time uh, like azura's wrath where technically you did you could not actually get the true ending to the, the game unless you bought the, the DLC. Was yeah, I was gonna say on disc DLC, the Street Fighter Cross Tekken shit. Oh it, yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, on disc DLC, that's just heinous. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like those are all things that happen right at the in it, it's transition because I think some of that covers maybe into the next that next phase, but it's it's always been there. I think it's it goes it alludes back to what you had said, Andy, uh, regarding the. Uh, 
the uh, issues with creators being harassed. Everything's under a microscope now. I think we're a lot more aware of some of that, so we're watching it more uh, closely, and people are much quicker to throw that outrage out. Uh, and uh, the other thing, too, is that we have moved even further and further into everything is digitized and no, everyone is directly streaming. I mean, like you're, you're no longer even owning your games necessarily. Some people are just strictly using subscriptions um, to, to play their games. So it's just a different way. As long way as they're ready to, to sleep in that bed, they're making themselves. Yeah. I guess a transition to that. Cause I had a couple pieces of news to bring up, but this is something from uh, a week or so ago when we brought it up too, just to add, cause we didn't talk about this one specific caveat uh, with the uh, the new PlayStation Plus that's coming out, the the rental thing that you know we talked about the time demos and stuff the last time, mm-hmm. they are actually tying the tied demos. You can only access the two hour demos of these games when they come out on day one if you have the highest membership, Oof. which has gotten a lot of backlash. Uh, which and rightfully so, I think like they're basically trying to force people to say, well, if you really want access to this, and and again, Sony forcing them to make these types of things available the actual customers won't have access unless they're paying for the most exclusive uh, or the highest tier, um, which I think is a little unfair. If you're going to make the it's developers It's clearly do it, not a, a technical limitation. Like, they're just doing it to be assholes. Exactly, exactly. Like, if you're going to make the developers do that and hold them to it, then just make it available. Like, yeah, don't, yeah. don't make it so that you have to pay for it, like, the highest tier. That's, like, the thing with the backwards compatibility for, like, Sony. Like, there's... Mi- there's people like me where i'm like man i would love to have backwards compatibility especially the ps3 collection as far as and and i know it's hard apparently to do that uh but like you have something like xbox that are just like doing a great job with backwards compatibility and sony's just like fuck it i'm just gonna put it into my highest tier of sony uh the the playstation plus i don't know i'm (laughs) i'm I'm going to be retarded anyway and probably buy the highest tier. I'm just going to be part of the problem because I know they have PS2 and PS1 backwards compatibility on there. And I do want to play some games on there because I don't have a CD drive on my PS5. So that will cater to me. Um, But I don't know. It's Sony being Sony at this point. It's, it's weird how they're doing things. They were... They were the head honcho last generation, and now it feels like they're kind of being the Xbox One in a way until their big games come out. Because once their big games come out, like God of War Rag- Ragnarok uh, and other like first-party titles, I think they'll gain back the momentum. But at this very moment, they're they're falling flat, in my opinion. Does well, anybody have the moon right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say I don't. I don't think they're falling flat. I think they're well in in place right now, just based on sales. Because uh, even though Elden Ring had like all the nonsense, like the vast majority of people that bought Elden Ring and that game sold a lot. The vast majority of the units sold on that were on PS5. You have um, what was the Horizon uh, Forbidden West that that dropped. Horizon Horizon Forbidden West sold really well. Was well received. Uh, the, I think the one flop they had, which really was disappointing was uh was gran turismo gran turismo 7 did not do as well as they wanted didn't hit expectations plus they had the whole nonsense where they went back and fixed and added microtransactions after reviews and they got backlash they should yeah they they fixed it yeah that that was that was pretty fucky 
right? They should have delayed <laughs> it for seven more years. God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think like it's it's going to be interesting to see if what they come up with is going to hold and compete with the Game Pass because like the Game Pass model, it's weird. Like you're looking at two very different approaches to it. Like Xbox is looking at doing this accessibility and that's what they're using as their driving force for their market which is great. And then the games you have access to in any other source, like they're there versus PlayStation is still trying to stick to that exclusivity. Like you can only find these certain things there, but outside of that, like you can play these other things, but you're not getting as good a deal. Um, so you're going to, you're going to pay a premium for these things. Um, and now with them breaking into that mold, I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm, I'm curious to see, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, I mean, I'm just going to play whatever comes out as it comes out and, sure. and stuff. That being said, I really haven't taken advantage of, of the Game Pass. I, I really probably need to um, do a little better job of following what's what's available and what I can play. Um, I still have Gears to play, actually. Maybe that's what I pick up next. Yeah. Gears 5. Gears 5 is... Gears 4 and 5 are underrated, in my opinion. So. Oh, Gears 4 was really fun. I enjoyed it. I, I haven't played 5 yet. I I need to do that. Yeah, but uh, any any other news, guys? Besides, like uh, Dakota Kai getting released and Bivens being released in NXT, and apparently, yeah, apparently NXT is going to be uh, releasing superstars every ninety days. That's what they've been talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah, I had I had some news. It's non wrestling, but we can talk about the wrestling stuff first if you wanted to. No, I just want to. I I don't have a lot to say. I just, I love Dakota Kai. Uh, marry me, Dakota Kai. Anyway, whoa, <laughs> Chaz. Uh, what other news? Oh yeah, so uh, apparently Jackass is getting a new TV series. It's coming back to Paramount uh, Plus. Hooray! I thought you guys would like to hear that, right? Uh, now I'm just well, ten years laugh at it at some point. Old yeah. Are gonna... Oh no, I I thought it was really funny when I was like 13. I was like that they they are ridiculous, but now it's kind of like oh man that hurts. I hope my child doesn't see this. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at with that now. Uh, now it's like what the fuck? Why are you all still doing this shit to yourself? Yeah. Um. Apparently, uh, Activision blamed uh the Call of Duty sales uh for Call of Duty Vanguard on World War II. They said that the historical setting uh tarnished uh the poor launch for Vanguard. That's yep. funny. They're blaming World War II on <laughs> for their duty sales. That doesn't make any sense. In what uh, way? Like, is it because World War II is old? That their <laughs> claim is that they the setting uh, the it's traumatic not, it, it affected their launch, and that's, that's all I'm reading. It's more of a headline thing, but uh, on Kotaku. But uh, the last thing I sent this picture in the chat. Um, so. Uh, this is magic related, which you, and you guys don't care as much, but it's, I thought it was neat news. Uh, so Magic the Gathering, they've been doing this series like uh, of sets uh, called Secret Layer. So they're not really new cards or new sets uh, per se, or they can be new cards, and they're crossovers. Like they keep pulling different universes. Like they've made they made a, a Secret Layer set about The Walking Dead and made cards like like you can technically use Negan as your commander or Rick as your commander, um, and they made a card for them. Uh, and then they did the same thing with Stranger Things. Uh, they did a Street Fighter one somewhat recently, which I'm pissed I missed. I, I couldn't. Uh, I, they sold out before uh, anything was left, so I have to wait until those are on the market to buy. But they just announced their most recent one, and it is for it's called the Pride Secret Layer, and it is to raise funds for Trevor Project for LGBTQ. Now, 
it's cool that they're doing that anyway. Uh, they're doing it in, uh, which I think it's releasing or coming out in June for purchase, and, and it's for a good cause because they're it's the first time they're doing it for anything charitable. Because usually they're all about give me all the money, uh, but it's nice that they're using it to raise funds. The main reason I brought it up is they decided to go with over the top, like flamboyantly, like uh, graphic cards in certain ways, uh, and some of them are like like really nice and, and sweet when they tie it in. Like there's a couple that, that depict LGBT uh, like affection and like, you know, just two, two men that are kissing at a wedding or something, but there's one card they created. They, it's a new card called Bearscape and it is literally a bunch of large naked men in like hot tub sauna setting. That's the one I sent in the chat and it is just the weirdest thing, but like in the funniest way, like someone sent it to me before I knew the announcement. I was like, did someone really go out of their way to create this? And then it turns out it's a real thing. So that was kind of funny. I'd share that with you all. So enjoy, enjoy the bears. So magic has mafia and gay people. Is that? Yeah. That's, nice. That's where we're at now. That's like, yeah, that's like two good things, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically you can just like, that's, yeah, you can play as Zangief and E Honda now, and and just be be gay and and marry about it. Yeah. Nice. I don't know. I never got into magic, so um, I've always been fond of the online game because it's fun to play. But that's about it. <laughs> that's how oh, we... you mean like the one like on the consoles? Like, yeah. Like uh, oh, you haven't played the True Crack, the 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 one on the computer. I'm magic afraid... the Gathering online. Don't I'm do it. I'm afraid to don't. do it. I'm afraid, dude. I'm not. I'm not don't gonna do it. it. Don't tell me to do it because I'll do oh, it. Oh, don't. No, no, don't do it. Don't okay. Do it. It's it's time and money waste. Eventually, I plan once things in 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 life are are freaking out. I plan on going back to playing online and streaming more. Because it's a lot of fun, but and also it'll keep me from buying more paper products because mm-hmm. it's cheaper to play online than it is to to do that. But yeah, uh, nevertheless. But other than that, any other news? All right. Well, I guess it is time to end the episode. Probably. No, we're still in a range. I think we had a two-hour episode once on Big Trouble at one point. I think we went over that two-hour mark at one point. But anyway, if you want to catch more Big Trouble podcasts, make sure you go on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Getting Some Color will be next week um, where we're going to be doing Beach Blast where we'll finally get to see Vader and fucking Sid Vicious versus Bulldog and uh, Stang. Superpowers versus the Masters of the the Power Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see that. And in, running into each other. Yes. Slipping me. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get a Cactus Jack update probably during uh, Beach Blast. Uh, interview hobos. Yes. Be lost in fucking Cleveland. Uh, and we have Raw. I, I forgot what date it was. It's the next week pretty much from the 12th. July. Yeah. July 19th. I yeah. Think. So, yeah, we have that going on. I know the Metal Gear podcast, because uh, I, I do want to play. Uh, I think that's one of my goals this weekend is to get through the MSX Metal Gear so that we can get ready for that episode at, at some point. And then I also got to, like, I don't know. I think I need to, like, get adrenaline and stab my heart and play fucking Revelations 2 because the motivation has been really, really low to finish that game. Um, 
I don't know what it is, dude. Like, Revelations 1, I was able to get through, but 2, even though Barry's in it and his fucking bitch of a daughter is in there, um... His daughter's a bitch. Yeah. Like, I'm... I'm not having fun, but that's that's another discussion that we'll, me and Zach will well, talk. That should make the episode that much more interesting. You guys yeah. are gonna have to talk about that. Yes. Well, you, can be, you can be like Data whenever he has that drink, and he's like, what is this? Oh, this yeah. is revolting. <laughs> I hate this. Horror. I hate this. I hate this. He's so happy. Do you want more? <laughs> sure. I've had, I've had more schedule conflicts lately. Me trying to get this done, but yeah. Yeah. I know we're we're trying to wrap up, but I do have one quick question. Sure. How how do they measure midichlorian counts in Star Trek? With a tricorder. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. All right. That's, <laughs> I just wanted to know. It makes sense to me. <laughs> um but i'm trying to yeah that, that there's other things that i have in the works which still in the planning stage so take stay tuned for that but remember um next week we will be talking about star trek's first contact so watch that and come back next week and we'll talk about it but until next time everybody we will see you next week peace thanks for listening Later.